0: Nyata, hello. It's Alison here from a little church on Peacocke Country in South West Victoria, a church which we call Sanctuary. And today I'm reflecting on the old story of the Pharisee and the tax collector who are at the temple praying together. I'll start with a slightly different story. So a minister and a deacon are standing at the front of the church, and they're praying. And in a big, resonant voice, the minister prays, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. In a clear, ringing voice, the deacon prays, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. And then they hear a muffled sound coming from the back of the building. And they turn to see the cleaner, head bowed, kneeling, beating his breast and saying, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Well, the minister turns to the deacon and says, Look who's calling himself a sinner. It's an old tale. That's a good one. Sometimes it's a rabbi in the head of the synagogue, praying on Yom Kippur. Other times it's a priest and a deacon. And the third guy is usually the cleaner. But what if the third guy is someone a bit more dangerous? What if there are few limits to his powers and he has a brute squad at his disposal? What if he uses intimidation and violence to extort money from the poor? What if he takes far more than required and keeps the margin for profit? In other words, what if he's an ancient Palestinian tax collector? Well, then the folk tale becomes both funnier And more shocking, because he is a sinner. He's an a-hole, in fact, the person everybody loves to hate. Who the hell does he think he is, coming in and praying like that? And yet, the story is not really about him. It's about the minister and the deacon, who, in Luke's words, persuaded themselves that they were righteous and regarded others with contempt. Luke chapter 18, verse 9. And it's to smug and self-satisfied religious folk that Jesus tells his own story of the Pharisee who compares his own virtue with others and a tax collector with no apparent virtues, who simply seeks mercy from God. I tell you, says Jesus, this man, the tax collector, the collaborator, the corrupt official, the one we all hate, this man went home justified rather than the other. So, what's going on here? It's easy to show contempt for the Pharisee simply because he's a Pharisee, and that's what many preachers and commentators do. But let's not do this here. Jesus wasn't in the habit of limiting people by their labels, and nor should we be. Nor should we respond to a teaching aimed at changing contemptuous people by becoming contemptuous ourselves. That would be beyond ironic. Let's also remember that in-house criticism is the worst. When Jesus criticises Jews and Pharisees, it's like me being enraged by Christians and Baptists. Pharisees, in fact, were pretty great. In a way foretold by Jeremiah 600 years earlier, and which we heard about last week, they worked hard to get Torah, or the Jewish law, written onto people's hearts. At 12 years old, a Pharisee would have memorised Genesis through Deuteronomy, and then he got to work on the Prophets and the Psalms. Pharisees prayed often, including 18 distinct prayers repeated three times a day, and they integrated Torah with all the stuff of life. Everything became infused with the law, and every activity had a prayer, whether that was waking up in the morning, or eating, or working, or even going to the toilet. So the Pharisees integrated Torah into every Jewish home and around every Jewish dinner table. And it's almost certainly because of this that Judaism, including the sect which later became Christianity, survived the destruction of the temple in 70 CE. So we can be grateful to the Pharisees. Instead, the issue is not with Pharisees per se, but with this Pharisee because this Pharisee chose not to pray quietly at home. Instead, he came to the temple and, standing by himself, he prayed aloud. Thank you, God, he said. Thank you that I am not like other people, thieves, rogues, adulterers, or even this tax collector. I fast. I give money away. By which he meant, I am fully Torah observant. I say all the prayers and I have never, ever broken even one of the commandments. The thing is, this is not an entirely unreasonable prayer. Thieves, rogues, adulterers and even first century tax collectors are by definition unrighteous. For the activities which define them, theft, adultery, those activities involve breaking Jewish law. And as for proclaiming his own righteousness to God, that is, his obedience to the law, you'll find similar words in the 17th Psalm. If you test me, Lord, you will find no wickedness in me. As for what others do, by the words of your lips I have avoided the ways of the violent. My steps have held fast to your paths. Surely the Pharisee, standing by himself in the temple, is right with God. Surely he is justified. Once a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? The lawyer answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, You've given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, the lawyer asked, And who is my neighbor? and you can find Jesus' response in Luke chapter 10. Wanting to justify himself. The Pharisee explained to God that he wasn't a thief or a rogue. He wasn't like all those dreadful people. He obeyed the letter of the law. Wanting to justify himself, the lawyer asked Jesus to define neighbor, presumably to exclude thieves, rogues, tax collectors, Samaritans, and all the rest. And here we get to the heart of the problem. Before his quibble, the lawyer answered Jesus correctly. He said that the law is entirely about love of God and love of neighbour. He knew that there are whole books of the Bible setting out the law and that there are 613 individual commandments, but they are simply fleshing out how to be a good and just society a society which shows love to God and neighbour. When it comes to Torah, love is everything. Love God, love neighbour, the rest is just commentary. So where does the Pharisee go wrong? Fundamentally, that he stands by himself in the temple and he regards the tax collector with contempt. He doesn't see the tax collector as a beloved neighbour whose salvation is intimately linked with his own. Nor does he see him as a child of the covenant made in the image of God. Instead, he searches for fault, and of course he finds it, and he proclaims it aloud in the temple. He uses the tax collector to feel good about himself. He rejects the possibility of communion and of community. In other words, he does not love his neighbor or the God made known through him, and he has missed the entire point of the law. Of course, most of us make this mistake. Most of us define ourselves again and again by who we are not, and I know that I fall for this all the time. Thank God I'm not like those right-wing conservative nutjobs. Thank God I'm not a flag-waver for Christian nationalism. Thank God I'm not a bland cultural Christian. Thank God I've got my own house in order. Thank God I'm so humble in such a grounded and psychologically healthy way. Not like those raving religious types over there. And I'm sure you can create your own sentence here. Thank God I'm not like them. We judge ourselves against others all the time. But one person doesn't. One person stands in the shadows and defines himself only in relation to God. He admits the truth about himself and opens himself to divine mercy. Lord, I am a sinner. I don't fulfill the law. I don't pray 54 prayers a day. I haven't memorized the Psalms again and again. I forget you. I'm trapped in a life where I do violence to my neighbor. I cannot see my way out. I fail to love. There is no way to be just. Have mercy, O Lord. Have mercy. And because... It is the nature of God to have mercy. And because this God dares to ask, mercy flows in abundance and he is justified by God. So let us not stand by ourselves, aloof and defined by who we are not. Instead, let us join together in a time of confession and let us pray slowly, seriously and humbly as we consider our own pride and recognise our poverty and ask God for what we really need. Amen. As a congregation, we move then into our time of confession and absolution or assurance of forgiveness. And you might like to take some time also to speak with God and seek mercy. So there's always more to read on our website at sanctuarybaptist.org. And this week we have a little piece on weeping and resurrection and the nature of all saints. Sanctuary is funded entirely by members and supporters. If you'd like to support the work of this little church, you can make a donation via PayPal and you'll find the details for this on the website. This week's reflection was prepared on the lands of the Pequang people of the Eastern Maa Nation a land which is taken by force and has never been seeded. This week, every nectar-rich flower is abuzz with native bees. Old man's beard is sending silvery tendrils through the landscape. The sandbar at the mouth of the Hopkins River has washed away, and the bay is brown with mud. I pay my respects to elders past and present. The peace of the land be with us all. Amen.